0: Hearing Voices?
1: I'm Hearing Voices. You're listening to Hearing Voices with
0: Scott Watson. He's the 38th president of the PGA of America. And this morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson, we visit with Ted Bishop. Ted, a lot to talk about, but I want to start at a place that you probably know as well, if not better than anybody else, and that is local golf. For PGA pros at golf courses like I'm going to play day after tomorrow, what are the biggest issues...
1: I think, uh, Scott, really, since COVID, uh, labor has been uh, probably a, a huge issue for everyone, just simply finding people to work. And, uh, you know, the one thing that was good about golf, uh, it, it was an activity that prospered during COVID. Most golf courses uh, saw the busiest years that they had had in decades in 2020. And with the uh, increased traffic uh, comes the demand for uh, more people to work at facilities, really in, in all different departments. And uh, I think I probably speak for most golf course operators in the fact that, uh, you know, we've been fortunate that we've really seen golf kind of sustain itself since 2020. In fact, you're at the legends, and a lot of this was because of the great weather that we had in 2023, but we actually played more rounds. In 2023 than we did in 2020 during the, the COVID year. And it, it just puts uh, a lot of strain on uh, all different areas of the facility where you're trying to service players. So finding people to work is the, uh, the biggest challenge. And then and given the fact that golf in Indiana is obviously a seasonal activity, uh, you've got to find a, a, a lot of uh, unique people that are willing to work You know, pretty much mid-March through the end of October and then what do they do um, in the winter times because a lot of facilities can't provide year-round help so it's uh, that, that's a tough proposition.
0: Would you say that golf at the local level is healthy and the reason I ask the question is there seems to be and I'm talking golf that is public not private in country clubs but there seems to be a, a big difference there are some places you can go play a public round of golf for $160, $200. And there are other places where you can pay 35 or 60 And while there is a difference in the way those courses are maintained and managed, the difference may not be as big as the difference in price point. Is golf healthy at the local level?
1: Yeah, I think it is. And I, I think that, you know, three components have always been a major player in uh, everybody's evaluation of the golf experience. And, and that would be Golf course conditions. How long does it take to play the round of golf? What's the time element involved, and then also what's it cost? And I think the uh, I think one of the reasons we've been busy here is we've been able to balance all three of those things. And it was kind of interesting. Uh, we did a survey with our players at the end of uh, the season and. Asked them to rank those three things in priority and golf course conditions were number one, pace of play was number two and price was number three. Now, I think price was number three, um, in our situation because, you know, we do offer affordable golf and if people had to pay more for the round price probably would be, you know, higher on the list. But, um, I think that, um, golf courses have benefited from this increased traffic in the form of, uh, better revenues, which has probably allowed some of us to increase maintenance budgets, offer better product than what we were offering uh, 10 years ago. But I still think that if you're owning and operating any kind of a golf course, public or private, either one, you still have to balance a... A a good mix of those three things, uh, price, pace of play, and and golf course conditions, and then consumers are going to make a choice where they feel like they're getting the best value.
0: You're listening to Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. We're available at whtc.com. We're also on Apple, Google, Spotify, and if you have a smart speaker, ask it to play the show, and you will never miss an episode. We are joined by the 38th president of the PGA of America, Ted Bishop. The book is Unfriended, and we will get to that, but first... What would you say is the biggest risk to local golf?
1: Honestly, I think in public golf, Scott, the the biggest risk is weather. <laughs> I mean you can say what you want, but if it rains, people aren't gonna play golf. If it's unusually cold in the shoulder seasons are they're not gonna play. So I think that weather is is still the primary thing that we deal with in the Midwest, and, and I think that's true really across the country when you evaluate um, every year and the rounds that, that are played. Um, that, that's still the primary component because it's, uh,
0: it's an outdoor activity. How full are golf courses, and are they building more, or are they selling them to put houses on them? Like, what's the, the bird's-eye view of the golf landscape, literally? Well,
1: I think everybody's uh, t sheets are, are more full than they were Five six years ago, without question, um, I mean, private clubs are, are most private clubs that I'm aware of locally are are probably uh, they now have waiting lists where they they didn't have five or six years ago. Um, I think that from a public golf standpoint, everybody saw their rounds increase fifteen or twenty percent during that period of time. One of the things that's really affected uh, playing activities. So many people started working at home during COVID. And as a result of that, their uh, schedules were much more flexed during the day. And, and I know we've seen that here where uh, before COVID, uh, that time frame in, in the afternoon, uh, particularly Monday through Thursday from say one o'clock until people got off work late in the afternoon was pretty much a dead time on the T-sheet. And now it just seems like we're, we're busy all the time uh, because a lot of people are working from home and they have the opportunity to come out and play early in the afternoon. And, um, you know, while a lot of our play, most of our play, Monday through Thursday is senior play, uh, the thing that's been interesting to me in the past four or five years since COVID has been uh, the number of younger players that have also gotten into the game. And I think this is an interesting statistic. Um, You know, here in Indiana – um, only 7.4% of the people that play golf actually carry a handicap. And uh, I know when I got into the business 47 years ago, uh, that percentage would have been higher. And, and I think what that says now is that there's a lot more recreational players in the game today. Uh, they're playing with their buddies, their uh, girlfriends, uh, whatever the case may be. They're going out to have a good time to get some physical activity to enjoy the social aspect of the sport more than the competitive part of it. So I think that's a great thing uh, for the recreational game. That gives us strength that it's, it's probably not had up to any point in time, really, in recent history.
0: He's the 38th president of the PGA of America. The book is Unfriended, and we will talk with Ted Bishop about that tomorrow morning on Hearing Voices. Well, this morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson, we continue our visit with 38th President of the PGA of America, Ted Bishop. The book is Unfriended. Ted, for those that don't know, tell us the story that led up to Unfriended.
1: Well, the, uh, the story probably would uh, revolve around the results of the 2014 Ryder Cup, which uh, the United States lost in uh, Scotland at, at Glen Eagles. Tom Watson was the Ryder Cup captain, and obviously uh, was the PGA president at the time, and we were looking at uh, trying to do what we could do from the United States standpoint to reverse these losses that we had had on foreign soil. So we named Tom Watson as the Ryder Cup captain in 2012, and ironically, he still is the last winning United States Ryder Cup captain on foreign soil. He did that in 1993 at the Belfry when he led the United States to victory. But, uh, you know, we were, were just simply trying to figure out a different way to approach the Ryder Cup. We hired, um, Tom as a volunteer. I say hired, he didn't get paid to be the Ryder Cup captain. But he had won uh, five major championships um, in at the Open Championship. Four of those five came in Scotland. We felt like he was really equipped to lead our team, you know, in that environment. Um, across the Atlantic, and and it was a very uh, widely hailed and uh, praised um, move on the part of the PGA of America at the time, and then, of course, we lost the Ryder Cup, and uh, everything kind of flipped on on Tom, Um, and what a lot of people forget about that 2014 team is that Tiger Woods did not play in 2013. He was the player of the year. He won five. PGA Tour events, but he obviously suffered from a lot of injuries in 2014. Dustin Johnson was not part of the team due to a voluntary suspension that he took with the PGA Tour. Uh, Jason Duffner was a 2013 uh, PGA champion who'd had a very successful Ryder Cup at Medina in 2012, and Duffner was not part of the team. So The team that we fielded uh, really was kind of hamstrung in, in that regard. It was soundly beat um, on on the golf course by the Europeans in the 2014 Ryder Cup. And Phil Mickelson at the, uh, the post-Ryder Cup press conference at Glen Eagles was very critical uh, of Tom, um, and it was a very awkward and, and embarrassing situation for the United States Ryder Cup team, and there was just a lot of frustration that was pouring out of, of the Ryder Cup. And uh, a lot of comments were made. Uh, some of the comments that were made um, – Directed towards Watson uh, came from Ian Poulter, who was a member of the European Ryder Cup team. And as the PGA president who picked Tom, uh, I guess I really didn't appreciate some of the things that Poulter said about Watson, and uh, I flashed uh, out at him on uh, social media, on on Twitter and on Facebook, and and it was a dumb, you know, thing for me to do. I could have maybe criticized him in, in a better way than I did, but I referred to him as a little girl, um, referencing some of his, his remarks. I meant nothing sexist by it, but it was certainly construed to be that way by a lot of people in the uh, PGA removed me from, uh, office with, uh, I think 24 days left in, in, in my term as, as PGA president. So, um, it was a very unceremonious removal on my part. And, uh, I took to the book, um, Unfriended, to really kind of tell my story about uh, that particular thing. But the book is really far more uh, than just about my removal as, as PGA president. There's just a lot of great stories. And, and that, the time that I served as, as president, Scott, 2013 and 14, there was a lot of stuff going on in golf. And um, it, it was really, a, looking back now and compared to where the game is today, it was a very historical Uh, point in time in the sport and uh, that's primarily what the the book is is all about but it was it was really the opportunity for me to tell my own story in my own words and and, uh, you know actually I had to hire one of the best First Amendment firms in the country out of Washington DC to be able to get the book written Uh, I agreed to let the PGA of America have a pre-read on the book before it was published and uh, I think that validated the fact that uh, everything that is in that book is the truth, and uh, it's one that uh, the people that have taken the time to read really enjoy.
0: His is the voice of Ted Bishop. He joins me this morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. I'm not a good reader, and I absolutely slowly devoured the book, and it is highly recommended. What did you learn about yourself? And about friendship and about your family throughout that experience.
1: Yeah, well, I would say uh, I, several things. I mean, first of all, I had a lot of media training, um, and I did a lot of media work during that time frame, whether it was television, radio, whatever the case may have been. And I, I should have absolutely been smarter in my selection of words if I even had any response to what uh, Poulter had said about Tom Watson. So, you know, when you're in a position of, of leadership, you have a responsibility uh, to think clearly, to put the big picture into play and, uh, and not let your emotions get the best of you. And um, I'm not making excuses. I just think the, the, the fatigue and the wear and tear and the criticism that came after the Ryder Cup, because I put a lot into that, um it's got the best of me and i there is not a day that goes by that i don't think about that and that i really regret that i made some remarks that could have been deemed to be stupid at best um so certainly if i had that to do all over again i would but i will say this to your point uh, i mean my family uh, i felt bad for them it was really rough for them um to, to go through those those few weeks, it might've been in some ways tougher on them than it was on me. And, um, you know, when you go through situations like that, you do really find out who some of your best friends are and who some people are that you thought were your friends that, um, you know, decide in the moment, you know, not to be. So it was, uh, certainly an eye opening experience for me in many, many ways.
0: Ted Bishop may be a lot of things to a lot of people. Honest would be toward the top of the list. The book is Unfriended. We'll talk more with him tomorrow on Hearing Voices. This morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson, we wrap up our visit with Ted Bishop, the 38th president of the PGA of America. The book is Unfriended. Ted, we talked a little bit yesterday about what led up to the book. I want to talk today about kind of the state of golf. So much has happened in the world of golf since your presidency: a Ryder Cup blowout on foreign soil again, the Live split, and a really awkward rejoin. Um, what are your thoughts on? Let's start with the state of the Ryder Cup. You know, I think the state of the Ryder Cup uh, is in flux
1: right now, and and I say that because I don't think anybody really understands going forward, uh, particularly with the ROM defection to Live, what. Um, the Ryder Cup is going to look like in terms of who's eligible to play. And uh, the the Europeans and the United States, the PGA of America, who owns the Ryder Cup, they don't pick their teams in in the same way, and I don't think that they probably ever will. So I'm not sure what it's going to look like uh, going forward. I mean, unfortunately for the PGA of America, who owns the PGA Championship and the, the Ryder Cup, uh, this those two entities represent uh, two of the most uh, important financial institutions that that organization has to operate, and it's the five hundred one c three. The PGA of America is structured that way. Uh, we have twenty eight thousand members and apprentices. It's the largest working sports organization in the world, and you know the PGA because it is nonprofit is really restricted. In how they can use their financial resources to benefit members. And uh, trust me, they rely heavily on those revenues from the Ryder Cup. I think the other thing that's going to be interesting going forward, Scott, is when I was president in 2013, we renegotiated our uh, Ryder Cup television rights contract with NBC to the tune of $440 million, and that took the Ryder Cup from 2016 out to 2030. And I would say going forward, just based on the events of the past year or so, I'm not sure that the PGA is going to be able to, to uh, negotiate that kind of a of a Ryder Cup television rights contract going forward because I'm not sure the fan interest in professional golf is there. And I saw something very interesting last week from the uh, Sports Journal that said that the final round of the 2023 Masters was the most viewed golf telecast of 2023 and it ranked 131st of sporting activities that were viewed in in 2023. And uh, I recently saw a, uh, some information that said that uh, in some areas television rights or television viewing ratings had decreased in professional golf by as much as 40%. So if people aren't turning on the TV to watch the game because I think they're turned off by live and the disruption it's had on the PGA Tour and even the current state of the PGA Tour, I think it puts the elite level of golf uh, in flux, certainly right now.
0: For those that don't know, the PGA of America and the PGA Tour are separate entities. We are joined this morning by Ted Bishop. He is the 38th president of the PGA of America. The book is Unfriended. And while we talk often about books on this show, I cannot recommend any book more highly than the one Ted has offered. Ted, you mentioned live. It's hard to talk about golf and not talk about that. Your thoughts on the split, and while we don't know how it's going to end up, what seemed like a fairly awkward initial rejoin. Yeah,
1: it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I do a, a, a bi-monthly podcast with the uh, Brian Hammonds who is a longtime Golf Channel personality who lives in Carmel and uh, we just did a podcast yesterday with Jim Furyk and I served on the PGA Tour Policy Board for two years in 13 and 14 as PGA President with Jim Furyk. Jim lives in Ponte um, uh, Jim would be as connected to the PGA Tour as any um, professional golfer that, that I could think of and when you have this conversation with a guy like Furek as it relates to what's the future going to look like, it, it, he has no idea. And, uh, and and I don't think anybody really does. Um, obviously, McElroy made an interesting reversal uh, a month ago when he resigned from the PGA Tour Policy Board. Uh, he, he came out with some comments last week that indicated that um, he... he more or less cut John Rahm a lot of slack for doing what, what he did in terms of defecting to live and, and Rory kind of reversed his stance and, and said, you know, I guess maybe you can understand why these guys did this. The PGA tour has a business model right now. That's not sustainable. And for those that don't know, um, a lot of those comments come from the fact that the PGA tour has created these uh, tournaments with elevated status with, uh, Higher purses that exceed $20 million. They've gone to tournament sponsors and told them that they have to make up a lot of the slack in, in these increased purses, and they're starting to lose tournament sponsors. And I think that, you know, for years, one of the beauty of, uh, of the PGA Tour, one of the best parts was the fact that you had the top 120 money winners that were coming back every year earning their card, and they are playing in, in a lot of PGA Tour events. Um, around the country that were important to uh, different cities and locations and local charities, and now a lot of these tournaments are are kind of being viewed as second-class tournaments, and it's just changed the total landscape of what professional golf once looked like. And and i got to be honest with you, I I just don't see uh, a great future uh, for the PGA Tour at this point, and I I don't know how. There's going to be this compromise with with Liv and the tour that's going to put a product out there that's going to look like what everybody wants to see. And I think the worst part of it is the image of a lot of the players that are on the tour right now has come across as being nothing but um, a lot of money grabbers. And it's turned off a lot of the public. And it's, it's really sad to see the sport go in that direction
0: quick answer if you would to this one as we wind up with ted bishop are we going to get to the point where people like me that just like to watch and play golf are only going to watch the majors and maybe the Ryder cup
1: Uh, you know what i think we're there right now scott i don't think there's any question about that
0: i want to wind up our time by playing word association i'm going to throw out a phrase or a name and you give me uh some pretty brief thoughts who was the greatest golfer ever
1: I'm going to say Jack Nicholas. Uh, his playing record speaks for itself.
0: Your home course, the Legends Golf Club.
1: It's a uh, really fun public course that uh, Jim Fazio was our designer on. And, uh, you know, Jim always said this to me. I want this to be a golf course that when people get done playing their round and they shot a good score, they feel really good about it because they felt like they beat be a, a challenging but fair course.
0: Social media.
1: It's an absolute necessity to be relevant in today's society. You've got to know how to use it smartly.
0: Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter is uh,
1: one of the greatest European Ryder Cup competitors that uh, ever played the game. He was was always a thorn in the side of the Americans, and I guess to a large degree he's been a thorn in my life.
0: (laughs) The Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup is the greatest
1: international team competition in golf. I think that it means uh, more to a lot of players than any other event that they play in. Um, The players don't get paid to play in it, and I'm really concerned about its future.
0: The PGA of America?
1: It's the largest working sports organization in the world today. It's given me many professional opportunities as a PGA member, and... uh, I will continue to, uh, to try to do everything I can, particularly at the local level, to support the Indiana PGA.
0: Tom Watson.
1: Probably one of the classiest uh, gentlemen in all of golf that I've ever been around, one of the greatest competitors that, that ever played the game, and a guy that's uh, turned out to be one of the best friends that I've ever had in golf.
0: Final question for Ted Bishop this morning on Hearing Voices with Scott Watson. How sad would it be if your career was remembered only for two words?
1: Oh, you know what? History, you, you can't control what, what history um, makes of anyone's career. And I, I've i never really gotten caught up in that. I mean, I've looked back at those two years, and I know what we accomplished and, and all the things we did that, that made golf better as a sport, and also the, the PGA of America. So uh, the only regret that i have is those uh, 25 seconds maybe that it took me to do those social media posts and that's in my rearview mirror and, and believe me i've
0: moved on go buy the book unfriended ted bishop thanks for your time today on hearing voices
1: hey thanks for having me